Ready to break free from algorithms, vanity PR, and money-sucking ads? My name's Larissa Worstick, and I've learned in seven years of jewelry marketing that content is the crown jewel. My agency, Joy Joya, takes a holistic approach, leading with laser-focused storytelling, impactful content creation, and strategic content distribution. This method has worked for the solopreneur as well as the multi-million dollar company, and now I'm sharing these systems and tactics with you. Here's to standing out in the sea of sparkle. This is episode 233, and today I'll be talking about common key performance indicators or KPIs for jewelry marketing content. In last week's episode, I talked about the importance of setting SMART goals, and that pretty much always means having some kind of quantifiable metric, whether that's a dollar amount, a number of website traffic visitors, a number of email subscribers, whatever is relevant for your business, your stage of growth, in your target audience. But I didn't get into the specifics of key performance indicators or the metrics you'd be using to monitor progress toward the goals, because I really felt this topic deserves its own episode. Without one or more key performance indicators, you just won't be able to measure success. And you know what that means? Then you won't be able to celebrate when you meet your goal and have that slice of cake or that glass of champagne, however you like to celebrate. Don't you wanna have that satisfaction? Then you'll definitely wanna listen or watch. In this episode, I'll be covering what's a key performance indicator and why do you need to have KPIs, what are some common KPIs for jewelry marketing content, and how do you choose the KPIs you should be monitoring and more. From now through July of this year, I'm offering a free, yes, it's free, six-month podcast-guided program called Jewelry Marketing Jumpstart, which involves weekly audio and video lessons just like this one, as well as companion PDF downloads for each new episode. And for this episode, Jumpstart members will also get a bonus video walkthrough of how to find some of these KPIs that I mentioned in this episode, specifically in Google Analytics That is some invaluable stuff, I have to tell you. If you want to sign up for Jumpstart for free right now without delay and get access to all these amazing things, because I know you've been putting it off, you keep listening and you're putting it off. So go sign up at joyjoya.com slash jump and the link will be in the show notes as well. But before we get to the solid gold, I'd like to take a moment to remind you that this podcast has both audio and video, so you can either listen on your favorite podcast platform or watch on YouTube by searching Joy Joya. You can support the podcast for free by taking the time not only to subscribe, but also to leave a rating and review on Apple Podcasts. And if you leave a review, I might read it on a future episode. And having those reviews also helps other jewelry entrepreneurs just like you find the podcast because we get some more visibility. So you are helping others out as well. Speaking of podcasts, did you know I also co-host another podcast with jewelry marketer Liz Kantner? It's called Success with Jewelry. We already have 27 free episodes everywhere you listen to podcasts as well as on YouTube. And we have an insider community where we share extended episodes, 
hands-on guidance, and a plethora of resources. Visit successwithjewelry.com to learn more. Okay, my sparklers, let's get into the next installment of Jewelry Marketing Jumpstart, all about key performance indicators or KPIs for jewelry marketing content. Again, you can visit joyjoya.com jump for the companion PDF to this episode and a bonus video walkthrough only for members of the program. So the first question I'm going to answer is what's a key performance indicator? This like scary marketing jargon phrase that you may or may not have heard before. So I sort of said it in the intro, but a KPI is a metric that you've designated as the metric that will help you determine that you've found success or have met your goal. So here's a very general example that's not related to marketing at all, but may help you kind of be able to wrap your head around what a KPI is. So Let's say you have a swimming pool in your backyard, but you personally only wanna go swimming when the water is warm enough for your liking. And that happens to be exactly 72 degrees. You're like very particular about your swimming pool water. So you've turned the heater on and you're waiting and the key performance indicator or the KPI for your goal of going swimming at your perfect temperature is going to be temperature in degrees. That's the KPI. That's the metric that's most relevant to your goal and will determine whether or not you have achieved the desired outcome. Now, if you know anything about swimming pools, which I'm sure most of you have been in one before, there are a lot of other things you could be measuring like the depth of the water, the percentage of chlorine content, etc. Those are all data points related to swimming pools, but they're not going to be your key performance indicators because right now, the only thing you care about related to your goal is temperature. Maybe in the future, you'll care about those other pieces of data, but not right now as you're only focused on your temperature goal. So it's really the same thing with marketing. At any given time, you're gonna have access to a ton of data, more than you're gonna know what to do with, more than you're going to want to see, but you need to know your goals, the previous episode for more information, and then laser focus yourself on just the data, just the metrics that will help you understand your progress toward your goals. And those will end up being your KPIs. And for the sake of your goal setting journey, just know that none of that other data matters right now. So don't get distracted by it and put your blinders onto it. So let's talk about now, why do we even need to have KPIs? Why do they matter? So in order to have those SMART goals in the first place, you you have to have KPIs. They are integral to having goals because one of the qualities of a SMART goal, if you remember from the last episode, is that it's measurable. That's the M in SMART. So one or more KPIs will be able to give you the insight you need to measure what you need to measure. 
Otherwise, your goal is not a good goal. I hate using the word good, but let's just call it that. It's not a good goal. And then you need to refine it or start over so that it has a measurable element to it. KPIs can also really end up being these amazing levers that you can pull in your business. And they can also help you gain some perspective when you're trying to achieve a goal, but maybe something is just not working and you've been going down the wrong path without realizing it. Here's one example that honestly, when I first kind of learned about this and encountered it, it felt like a magic trick to me, but it's very real and very doable for a business of any size. So let's say your goal is to get more sales. Obviously, the smart version of that goal would be more specific, would have a number attached to it, etc. I'm just going to keep it general for the sake of the example. So you think, or your like hypothesis is, in order to get more sales, the one thing that you really need to be focusing on is increasing website traffic dramatically because you just, you need to get more eyeballs on your product. Um, You just need more people to be on your website to see it. And to kind of measure the health of your sales, you also have some other sales related KPIs like average order value. So that is the average dollar amount that customers spend each time an order is placed. And then another sales related KPI is conversion rate. So that's the percentage of website visitors who make a purchase. So you have these three KPIs, let's say, at least at the beginning of your exploration on your way to your goal. And these are what you are using to see the health of your current like shopper behavior on your website. And actually, if you're paying attention to the patterns and um, you kind of use some very simple like e-commerce math or even just logic, kind of when you see what's going on on your website, moving forward, you might even realize that your problem or the thing that you need to focus on is actually not getting more website traffic. And this is kind of the magic part. You can go in with an assumption and then noticing patterns over time, realize you were totally wrong. But hey, there's nothing wrong with that because now you actually have more insights and can make decisions Um, more intelligently. So maybe the problem isn't that you need more website traffic. And actually, now that you've kind of seen your average order value, it's super low compared to the average price point of your products. Like if you sell on average or your your product price point is $1,000, but your average order value is like 500, and most people tend to gravitate toward like the very low end of your price point, hmm, that seems like a little bit of a problem. And then you also see that your conversion rate is super low. Like you are getting traffic, but only a teeny tiny percentage of that is converting. So you notice that you were kind of looking in the wrong place when the problem was actually over here. So by focusing on the tactics that would help you increase those two pain points, you can pull different levers, 
knowing your KPIs, knowing your areas of focus, instead of spinning your wheels, you're gonna be over here trying to get new people on the site until you burn yourself out, your head spins. Why is that not increasing sales? When actually over here, there could have been levers to pull that would have made a greater impact. And that's the kind of magical power of KPIs and what you need to be open to when you are going on this journey of tapping into the data that matters. So if you're more curious about like the example I just mentioned, there's a really great article about it on big commerce and I'll put that link in the show notes if you want to like do a deeper dive. Now, if you're listening or watching and that all sounds like gibberish to you and you're like, "Ah, average order value, conversion rate, what the heck is she talking about?" please don't worry. Just know that KPIs can feel like magic, but really what they're doing is taking away your blind spots so you're not guessing anymore. Growing your business as really comes down to looking at patterns and not being afraid to make change based on what you see in those patterns. And Thankfully, you don't even have to be that good at math. And I'll be talking more about that later in this episode, so stick around for that. So what are some common KPIs for jewelry marketing content? There are really like endless KPIs that you could be measuring in marketing. That's what makes it so interesting and what makes marketing so nuanced and never a checklist because there's so much personalization that needs to happen from business to business, but I can also tell you some common KPIs so you have an idea of somewhere to start. And I'm gonna break these KPIs up by a general goal into four categories. That would be brand awareness, two would be engagement, three would be conversion, and four would be retention or repeat customers. So every business has at least one of these like general objectives in mind. Bigger businesses would probably have more than one happening at once. But brand awareness, it kind of means what it says is to just get more of your target audience aware that you exist, that you're a brand. So if that resonates with you, you'll want to pay attention to the brand awareness KPIs. Engagement means you already have some brand awareness, but now you want to get those people to be like fans of your brand, to really bring them in and to build relationships with them. So if that resonates with you, you'll want to pay attention to those KPIs. Conversion is related to sales. So you already have those like loyal fans. People are hungry to see your content, they're visiting your website, you're getting a lot of good feedback. Now we wanna increase sales. So that would be another objective with its own KPIs. And then lastly, a retention and repeat customers. So that's like, you're good with brand awareness, you got some engagement, your sales are in a good place, but now you wanna be focusing more on like keeping your existing customers coming back for more, on retaining them, on having those like true fans. So for each of those goals, I wanna share some common K 
KPIs, and I'll briefly say what each one is. So for brand awareness, some common KPIs would be website traffic. So just like getting people to your site, making sure they visit and learn about you. So that could be one. Social media engagement. So that could be like number of new followers, number of likes, reactions, comments, saves, shares. That's about kind of just getting people to know you for the first time on social media. And then also perhaps search volume traffic. So that means in like Google search, let's say, the number of people who are like searching for your brand name in Google. If you're a totally unknown brand, then it's probably going to be like close to zero. But then as people start to get to know you and your brand becomes more familiar, you'll find that more people are searching for your brand name in Google. Or let's say you sell like a very specific niche kind of jewelry that people don't even know about. So you might focus on the search volume traffic to like spread awareness so that people are actually like searching for your specific product and it's a destination, they wanna find it. So those are some KPIs for brand awareness. Not an exhaustive list by any means and none of these will be an exhaustive list, but just giving you some ideas. So if your goal is engagement, then these would be some examples of KPIs for jewelry marketing content in the engagement kind of stage. So number of email subscribers. So you got people coming to your website. Now to make sure they're engaged, you want them signing up for email or the conversion rate for your signup form on your website would be another KPI. The click-through rate on your email. So you got people now on your email list. Are they actually engaging? Are they taking action? What is that click-through rate of people coming through the email onto your website? The time spent on your site. The bounce rate, which is the percentage of people who visit your site and then immediately leave. You don't, you don't want that. You want people to spend time. So you want that number to be low. Also, number of pages per session on your site. Maybe the traffic that's coming from social media or the click-throughs from social media. Also, the demographics KPI. Are the people engaging with your social media and or your website, the intended ones, are they part of your target audience? And you may also want to look at something like device. So are they looking at your store on mobile, from a desktop, on a tablet? That can help you understand like how they're engaging with your content and your products. If your overall objective is conversion, of course you'll want to look at conversion rate. So I mentioned that earlier, the percentage of people who come to your site and then place an order. You'll also want to look at the average order value. So on average, how, many, how much money are people spending in the orders that they place? And is that aligned with your average price point? And then your abandoned cart rate. So that refers to the percentage of people who add something to cart and then do not end up making a purchase. Just a few examples of conversion KPIs. And then lastly, 
I'll just share one. If your goal is for retention or getting repeat customers, then you'll definitely want to look at the percentage of returning users on your website. Or similarly, like with your total sales, how many of those are repeat customers versus new customers? So where do you find these? (laughs) So most of them are in Google Analytics. And if you sign up for Jewelry Marketing Jumpstart, you'll get a worksheet with a bonus link. I'm doing a video walkthrough of GA4 or Google Google Analytics 4, and I'll show you where to find the ones that are in there. Some of them you might be able to find in like Shopify, for example. Some of them, like the email marketing ones, would be in your email platform, and some on social media, like in your meta business dashboard. So how can you choose the KPIs that you should be monitoring for your business? Again, it goes back to being crystal clear on your goals, which means knowing where you are in your business, what you wanna be focusing on, what's realistic given the resources you have available, and what's possible given past performance and your current conditions. The ones I just mentioned are very commonly used and they're kind of general, but if you have a super specific goal, then you'd want to get even more micro-focused on the KPIs related to it. I really believe that maintaining a central dashboard where you kind of monitor the progress toward these goals on at least a monthly basis can help you keep the pulse on your progress toward the goal. So if your time frame is six months, for example, then you'll be able to see at the end of six months whether or not you've achieved your goal and over time what you can adjust to keep you on track. Okay, that's it for now. Much more to come in future episodes. Again, go to joyjoya.com jump for that additional information and the Google Analytics for KPI walkthrough. Before we get into the gold mine, as well as my jewelry marketing news roundup, I wanna share a case study of a jewelry brand that I think embodies what I just spoke about. All right, these are my thoughts about how I'd apply this lesson to a jewelry brand in the wild. So this was probably one of the hardest case studies to kind of like come up with because I don't have access to KPIs of brands that aren't my clients and I can't really share specific KPIs about my current clients. So what did I do? I found a great example from the internet. And today we're gonna be talking about a TikTok for business case study for K Jewelers. The general goal they had for this campaign was to develop unskippable content and contemporizing a classic brand sound to drive awareness and engagement during important cultural moments. So for Pride 2020, they launched this hashtag every kiss campaign but they wanted to kind of amplify that and find a high impact, culturally significant moment in 2021 that could expand the reach of the current campaign. So with the help of TikTok, Kay wanted to boost organic and paid visibility, brand awareness, and engagement by inviting audiences to collaborate in the creation of -of one-of-a-kind content. So to do this, 
They partnered with Times Square Alliance as the official sponsor of the New Year's Kiss, and they partnered with TikTok to launch a hashtag challenge inviting creators to post hashtag every kiss. And they worked with key influencers who led the charge on it to kind of encourage others to do this and to use the hashtag. So the results were that this campaign gained 3.3 billion views in three days and currently has over 13 billion views and counting. More than 83.1 million unique users were reached as 1.2 million creators participated in the challenge with over 2.3 million videos created. So again, I don't have access to the specific data they'd be measuring internally, but I guess these KPIs were important for them to determine the success of this campaign. That would be TikTok views, TikTok reach, the number of creators participating in the challenge, and the number of user-generated videos created. They pretty much knocked it out of the park with this campaign, regardless of what they were measuring. I mean, I don't think you can like shake your head at some of these numbers. There's no bad way to spin it. But how could you quantify the success of them achieving their goal of boosting organic and paid visibility, brand awareness and engagement, blah, 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 what I said before, if you didn't have any way to measure it? And I'm sure I don't have to work for Kay to know they have access to a truckload of data points that they can be measuring at any given time. But those four that I mentioned that were specific to their goal, specific to their audience, and specific to the TikTok platform were the only ones that mattered for determining whether or not the goal had been met. What do you think? Let me know in a podcast review or YouTube comment, and let's get into the goldmine. If you've been following this podcast, you know I launched the goldmine in August as a secondary episode every week, and now I'm incorporating it into my main Sunday episodes. So in this installment of the goldmine, I'd like to discuss the importance of recognizing patterns and how that can really unlock the full potential of your KPIs. So I must admit, I'm no math enthusiast. And I think acknowledging this, like, I hate saying weakness, but it kind of is. It's important to me, even though I'm maybe limiting myself. When I first went into marketing almost like 15 years ago now, I was mostly attractive to the creative aspects of marketing, like copywriting, visual asset creation, and also like the ideation of campaigns. And when I had first started, like I didn't want to have anything to do with the numbers part. The mere thought of numbers and data just really made me cringe. But the reality is data is an integral part of marketing. And it took me a really long time to embrace that. But as I progressed in my career, I realized that understanding data and feeling comfortable with it and not being afraid of it is really essential to succeed in this field. And I'm also saying that because I think it's essential to any business owner or any solopreneur who has their hand in marketing. So this is not just exclusive to people who are like pursuing marketing careers. And once I embrace that, I learned that being proficient in math is 
not the only way to like be good at this. Instead, you just have to be able to observe and recognize patterns. And not only that, but you have to be able to, over time, understand what those patterns signify. And that is actually more valuable than being like a math whiz or something. So yeah, it's probably would be nice to be good at like reading charts and like making Excel formulas, but that's not a prerequisite prerequisite to utilizing KPIs and making them work for you. So I'm saying that because if you feel intimidated by the whole like idea of KPIs and that there are numbers attached to it, <laughs> I'm trying to encourage you to to make you see this episode is is not about math, even though it may seem like it. So yeah, numbers may be involved, but I really see the numbers as just a language that are that's being used to express patterns and those things indicate the well-being of your business. And I think really once you start getting more comfortable in it, it's not just a left brain exercise. I think intuition plays a role in this as well. And when you become so intimately familiar with your data and you put the time and attention into it, the awareness into it, and also knowing your goals, like we talked about in the last episode, that's when you really become able to see the opportunities for growth that your competitors are not seeing and also being super honest with yourself about identifying those areas that are holding you back from progress and maybe actually moving you further away from your goals. So do you feel intimidated by data? Does this offer any relief? Do you feel a little more comfortable about learning about KPIs and exploring them? Tell me in a YouTube comment or podcast review if you can relate. All right, let's get into the news roundup where I share three relevant articles related to jewelry or marketing. So this first one comes from Digiday and it's called, as influencer marketing continues to mature, here's why brands are hiring creators as creative directors. So I've talked a bunch about collaboration on this podcast. It's really the name of the game in marketing these days. And many brands are actually taking that to the next level by choosing to no longer just hire influencers for like one-off campaigns to show off their products, but instead bringing them on to bring them onto their own teams so they have a more active and participatory role, even to the point that they are hiring influencers as creative directors of the brand. And one really powerful thing about this is that brands can this is a quote from the article, use the insight influencers have about their audiences almost like that of market research. So we talked about like figuring out your customer persona, your audience persona, and even big brands struggle with that. So they're looking for these creative ways to really tap into what their audiences want. And they're also looking to influencers for creative ideation and thoughtful strategic direction. So they can make content that is durable, lasting, and impactful. So just like you, brands of all sizes are focused on content 
and finding ways to make the content the best it could be. My main takeaway about this is this is not about influencers, people. (laughs) This is about brands and marketers and business owners trying to figure out ways to, one, get the content to resonate with their target audience, and two, to make content that's impactful, unique, and value-driven. So they're thinking outside of the box to find ways to do these things. And creators are already, or influencers are already very talented at doing that. So brands are looking to them to have fresh perspective and unique new insights. The next article is from ceoworld.biz and it's called Email Personalization, The Forgotten Art of Making People Feel Heard. So this article is highlighting the importance of email personalization that it has the power to improve customer engagement and loyalty. And what the author is really emphasizing here is the need to go beyond basic personalization techniques like just using the recipient's name and instead taking it to the next level and and trying to understand their interests, preferences, and behaviors, which is way more impactful. So to initiate true personalization, they suggest listening to your customers and their needs, understanding their motivations, and walking in their shoes through the entire customer experience. But really, there was a quote in the article that was my favorite part, and I'm just going to read it to you because I thought it was excellent. Quote, being personal is all about honesty. Putting in an honest effort to get to know your customers helps you speak to them and their needs, but it takes discipline. Even when some of your campaigns don't lead to direct sales, you'll be building a brand that people care about and are happy to listen to. This paves the way to stronger communication with truly engaged subscribers. The harder present you works on today's strategies and campaigns, the easier it will be for future you to market to your list, cut through the noise, and get results." End quote. My main takeaway is, I so agree with this. It's not the job of the email to convert, actually. It's the job of your product page to do that, since that's the last step before someone adds to cart and completes the purchase. The job of email is to get intimate with these people who have given you permission to contact them and use that as an invitation from them to deepen the relationship. And the last article comes from the official Substack blog, and it's called A New Economic Engine for Culture, What Comes After Social Media As We Know It. There's proof that business owners and even consumers are looking for an alternative to social media and new ways to connect and interact. There is a true craving for it. So you, as a business owner, need to seek alternative modes of connecting with your target audience. How do I know this? If you haven't heard of Substack, it's an email newsletter platform that allows creators and writers who are trying to build audiences and brands to publish directly to their audience and then get paid through a subscription model. And on their news page, 
Substack recently released an update saying they've reached the milestone of more than 20 million monthly active subscribers and 2 million paid subscriptions to writers on Substack. And what they're hearing from their users is the refrain of, please save me from social media. And their mission as a company is to give power back into the hands of creators and to, quote, create the conditions for culture makers to produce amazing work that would never have been possible under the old systems, end quote. So my main takeaway is it might not make sense for a jewelry business owner to have a subscription-only newsletter, okay? But maybe it would. Maybe you have some really amazing insights on the creation, design, handmaking process, or you work in a specific niche. You can build a community and a loyal audience around your content. But more than that, the reason I'm sharing this article is because it's proof and a clear sign that people are sick of social media. They are so burned out on it and the messaging there. So if you're burned out on social media as a mode of selling your products, go find the thing that's going to help you share your content and create a community filled with members of your target audience because there is a deep, deep craving for this. What do you think about this episode? Did you have any questions about Jewelry Marketing Jumpstart? You can always email me, Larissa, that's L-A-R-Y-S-S-A at joyjoya.com. If you love this podcast, please share it with a friend who'd appreciate it. And don't don't forget to subscribe as well as leave a review on Apple Podcasts. If you're completely new to digital marketing, then you'll want to purchase and read a copy of my book, Jewelry Marketing Joy. Visit joyjoya.com slash book for more information. 